Hello and welcome to another episode of the Speak the Truth podcast. I am your host for the day, Matt Tardio. This episode is being sponsored by Ghostbed. Thank you to Ghostbed for sponsoring this video. All right, we're going to move right into some of the news that's coming out of Poland. Now, Ukraine has made some advances over these last couple of days, particularly over in the Zaporizhia region. And we'll talk about particularly what that's going to mean for the future of this counteroffensive that Ukraine has launched. And they do, while they have made some significant terrain, they do have a long way ahead. Um, we're going to talk about Bakhmut. We're also going to talk about some of the stuff that's going up in the north around Kupiansk. And then I found a couple of other interesting videos. But right now, what I want to talk to you about first is I want to go over what is actually happening in Poland. Poland's moved about three brigades up over to the east side over by Belarus. And the reason that they are doing that probably has to do with what Putin said. Let's go ahead and take a listen. It's a Polish leader то, вероятно, они рассчитывают под натовским зонтиком сформировать некую коалицию и впрямую вмешаться в конфликт на Украине, чтобы затем оторвать себе кусок пожарнее, вернуть себе, как они считают, свои исторические территории, сегодняшнюю западную Украину. Хорошо известно, что мечтают они и о белорусских землях. Что касается политики украинского режима, то это его дело. Хотят, как это вводится у предателей, что-то сдать, продать, чем-то расплатиться с хозяевами. Это, повторю, в конце концов, их дело. Мы в это вмешиваться не будем. Но что касается Белоруссии, то это часть союзного государства. И развязывание агрессии против Беларуси будет означать агрессию против Российской Федерации. На это мы будем отвечать всеми имеющимися у нас средствами. Польские власти, вынашивая свои реваншистские планы, правду своему народу тоже не говорят. А правда заключается в том, что украинского пушечного мяса Западу уже явно не хватает, недостаточно. Поэтому вход планирует пустить новые расходные материалы. Самих поляков, литовцев и далее по списку. Всех, кого не жалко. Скажу одно. Это очень опасная игра. И авторам подобных планов... Okay, so a couple key takeaways from that video. Number one, Putin is saying that Poles are hiding their actual intentions from their people, uh, that they actually want to go in and take Belarusian land. And he also said that Ukraine is weak and it needs the help of the Polish and the, the Baltic states in order to come in and help out inside of Ukraine. He said he doesn't care if Ukraine gives up land to Poland in order to get this help, to, to drag them into war. But he specifically states that if Polish military attacks Belarus, that Russia is going to take that as if it's an attack on Russian territory and they will use their full weight to counter the Poles. So that's what Putin is saying. A lot of crap, a lot of garbage being spewed out. But why do you think Polish people feel the way that they feel? On top of just Putin spitting out random garbage going over towards them, there's now reports that are coming out from uh, Ukraine. And what Ukraine is saying is that the Wagner troops, roughly a couple thousand now, I've seen estimates up to 5,000, anywhere between like two to 5,000, but roughly, you know, a couple thousand Wagner troops that are right now in uh, Belarus. And truthfully, it's not even fair to call them troops. They're mercenaries. Okay, so these Wagner mercenaries are in Belarus. And the new ones that they're getting to sign contracts for 
in their contracts is now being reported through Ukraine that inside of those contracts, it has conditions. And those conditions state that if they are going to join Wagner on their new contracts, that they have to be prepared to fight Poland and the other Baltic states. You heard that right. That's what Ukraine's reporting, that in order to join Wagner in, in uh, Belarus right now, they have to be prepared to fight Poland and they have to be willing to fight the Baltic states as well. So just to give you an idea of what they're up against, if they decide to go that route, what they are up against. Poland has roughly 120,000 service members. And in addition to that, there's an additional 11,600 NATO troops inside of Poland. To the north, Lithuania has 17,000 troops and an additional 3,700 NATO troops inside there as well. So it, 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 it's unfathomable to me that Putin would want to open up a new front right now, okay? But the Poles have a very good reason to be worried about Russia. In the last video that I shot with Rob, and he will be coming back here um, in the next podcast, but in the last video that I shot with Rob, I talked about a Russian cruise missile that had landed inside of Poland. And we're not talking about the one that killed two civilians. We're talking about a completely other one. All right, That other cruise missile, they ended up saying, ended up coming out of Ukraine. And there's a bunch of crap that's going around saying, well, uh, it was a Russian cruise missile, but they don't, or I'm sorry, not a cruise missile, but they don't, they essentially don't want to blame it on Russia because they don't want to start World War III. Well, here's a huge one that they just can't deny. And that was the cruise missile that I actually told you about. It landed in central Poland, right? Completely separate incident. This one took place on December 16th of 2022. And Ukraine had actually sent a message over to Poland that said there was an unidentified military object that had entered into the Polish airspace, all right? And they didn't know what it was, but they assumed or assessed that it came from Russia. Well, in late April, they found the site. And this is inside Poland. And we're talking like hundreds of kilometers, all right, from the border, like well inside Polish territory. And it was a KH, it was assessed to be a KH-55 cruise missile fired from Russia. How do they know this? Well, Ukraine, once upon a time, did have the KH-55 cruise missile. They did. Uh, however, they actually destroyed, I've got the figure right here. Uh, Ukraine no longer has it in service, all right? But they destroyed 487 of them and transferred 587 of them back to Russia. Of course, this was a long time ago, right? They, the Ukraine did kick a couple other ones out. But here's the scary thing about that missile that landed inside of Poland. It is nuclear capable. So we have nuclear capable missiles laying inside Poland. Now I get how that could have happened. It's an older version of the missile. It's kind of crappy. All right. And you have a lot of conscripts that are going in and being, being quickly trained and, and they're doing a lot of messed up stuff. And the, it is very possible that this cruise missile just went astray. It's very possible that the wrong coordinates got put in, but either way, a cruise missile landed inside Poland, fired by Russia. Now, Russia can say whatever they want, but at the end of the day, that missile did land inside Poland, and Poland's worried. Now, take that and add that going up with the land bridge, all right, That that's over on the Polish border that connects them to Lithuania and how they're moving all the troops. Dude, Wagner troops are currently training Belarusian troops. They're currently going over, uh, like, basic combat tactics. So they're saying the... the Belarusian military is not up to par and that they need to train them. So if this happens, one, I, I, I just don't see it happening. But if it does happen, 
in any way, if if Belarus, if any of the Russian forces that are that are up there in the Russian territory, if any of them make an assault, that's going to open up Article Five and it's going to drag us into World War Three. That's a fact. I haven't seen a lot of reporting on this going on, and it, it's kind of driving me nuts because. You know, for all the stuff that's going on inside Ukraine, this incident right here, what we're seeing develop in this little area could actually drive us into World War Three. I'm not going to beat it like a dead horse. OK, but it's very possible that this does happen. It's just it's crazy. I know you guys are familiar with a bunch of the trench warfare videos and everything that's going on inside of Ukraine. But I want to show you some of the terrain that um I don't want to say is underreported on, but some of the like just the harsh realities of what the Ukrainian military has to do in order to root out these Russians and what's kind of taking them so long along these front lines when we go over. So I found this video. It looks like of a Ukrainian uh, uh, rib boat assault onto an island down in the south somewhere. Not really quite sure where. Um, didn't didn't specify. Maybe I could have dug in a little bit more, but I don't care. But the the point of this is I want to show you the terrain that these guys are actually fighting against. Now, I flicked them some crap because the Ukrainian military had put out a video, I want to say it was like two weeks ago, and I called it a drive-by shooting because they were just in a rib boat, and they literally conducted a drive-by shooting. But this is a hell of a lot different. Let's go ahead and take a look at this video. So that is a very stark difference in terrain that Ukraine's having to fight through and root these Russians out of, as opposed to what's going on over on the trench line. And there is going to be undoubtedly tons. Let's let's say Ukraine is victorious in this. There is going to be tons of terrain that Ukraine's going to have to go back and clear out to get rid of a lot of these Russians afterwards. Very interesting about what that Russian soldier said when he was captured. I don't know if y'all caught that or not. But the Ukrainian asked him, why are you here? And the Russian said, because I wanted to be free, looking for freedom. Very, very interesting. All right, let's take a look and see what's going on with the Ukrainian advancements uh, over in the Zaporizhia region. And then we'll work our way up to Bakhmut and then go take a look at what Russia is doing up in the north as far as their advancements are concerned. Now we're in the middle of summer which means at night temperatures can be sweltering. If you guys are having a hard time sleeping and staying asleep in this heat, I highly recommend checking out Ghostbed. I myself purchased one. Yes, I bought one for myself because I needed a softer mattress and they did not give it to me. I paid. I used my own code because I wanted the discount. But every single mattress Ghostbed had is made with materials that wick heat away from your body. I can attest to this. So you can sleep cool all through the night. Ghostbed is a family-owned business that's making mattresses for over 20 plus years. So you guys can trust whichever mattress you purchase from them will be extremely high in quality. Now, I also love the men and women over at Ghostbed because they're giving you guys a 101 night sleep trial and a free shipping to make sure your bed is in perfect shape. It fits you. 
You know what I mean? It's for, it's for your body. Plus, you guys have a team of sleep experts on standby to help you guys find the perfect bed. If you guys are going to go out and look for a mattress, don't do that. Go to ghostbed.com right now, forward slash Rob, and check out. Use promo code Rob when you guys are looking at the mattresses because it's going to save you guys 40% off your purchase site wide. Like anything, their pillows or their sheets, anything. That's why I even use my own code. I wanted to save some money. That's ghostbed.com forward slash Rob and use promo code Rob to get 40% off your purchase site wide. Most orders ship within 24 hours, so you guys can be sleeping cooler sooner than you think so go to ghostbed.com forward slash rob use promo code rob to say 40 percent off everything on their site so we're going to go down to uh robotney and go check out and see what's actually happening down there so ukraine did do a push in to robotney over the last couple of days they've been pushing really really hard so right now i have the map zoomed in on july 22nd to give you an idea over the last few days how much terrain they've been able to take so i'm going to fast forward you through it and i'm going to measure it out so that you can actually see what's going on this is one of the things that kind of upsets me a little bit um about media in general so we're going to talk about how much terrain they actually took in robotney and what that actually means uh going forward so here is july 22nd the 23rd 24th 25th 26, we can see them kind of in circle and start taking about half the town. 27, they go out and they push a little bit further out towards the east, and that's where it ends. So let's pull up our measuring tool and let's see how much terrain that they've actually been capable of taking. So we're going to click on the forward line here, and we're going to measure all the way back to our green space. That's measuring out to be 3.92 kilometers. So they made a little bit of distance over there, 3.92 kilometers. Now out to the east, they were able to push a little bit more. And the reason they're able to push a little bit more out to the east, so they took 6.37 kilometers roughly um, over in that general direction out to the east. The reason that it's probably easier for them to push out towards the east versus over on like the west and south is because that it is much more wide open terrain. And then you've got Robotny that's down off over to the side. So Ukraine has taken advancements and they've been able to get a good chunk of that city back. Where are they heading and what are they looking at doing with that? Well, if we zoom out a little bit and we just go south, you can see Tokmok down here or yeah, you can see Tokmok. So if they're able to go and they want to push and connect this land bridge all the way down here to the south, they're going to have to take Tokmok and they're going to have to push all the way down. Once they do that and they take this whole area right here, they'll be in a lot better position to cut that land bridge off, right? So that's one side that they're looking at doing that. But in the military, you know, we have a saying, one is none and two is one. If they were to pour their main efforts into there, I don't think it would go very good for them. So let's move over on the map and come right over here. And we're going to start zooming in on this general area. Now, this is Stary Mariorsk. And over in here is where uh, Ukraine made some significant gains over the last couple of days. So again, I'm going to back it all the way back up to the 22nd for you so you can see where they're at. Ukrainian forces are all the way back here on the 22nd, and they were able to continue to push. So here is July 22nd. Here's the 23rd. You can see a small little push up over here. 24th, 25th, 26th. Got a little bit of terrain moving to Stary Morsk. 27th, they take a hell of a lot more terrain and they go back. So let's, again, measure out and see exactly how much terrain they're taking so that you guys can feel this out. So from here to here, they were right on the outskirts of the city. We're looking at approximately three kilometers. Now, there is several different reports that are going into how much terrain they actually took and whether or not they took the whole city. Um, I want to say it was an article from the ISW, the Institute of Study for War, that I found the other day. Um, 
or actually earlier this morning, said that they have geolocated a couple photos and videos from Ukrainian forces that were actually south of the city, just a little bit down here. But I do want to play this video for you guys that shows um, Ukrainian forces purportedly inside the city um, and saying that they had liberated it. So we're going to pull that video up and play it for you right now. All right, so Ukraine forces have taken Starimorsk, all right? And if they're going to move from there, they're going to have to continue to push south. But we do have a lot of Russian lines that are over there. So that may have been the easiest spot terrain that they have so far because Russians, as we know, have their layered defense that's set up. And right now, um, a couple of the photos that I saw showed a big, large open field with a lot of different tank traps, a lot of different minefields that are laid out in front of them. So it's likely going to take them quite a bit longer before we see some advances. I hope I eat those words. But... I think it's going to take them a little while to break through and continue to push south. If we look at where they're going, once they push through this area right here, it leads them straight down into Mariupol. If they're able to do that, this is their second chance of coming over and cutting off that land bridge and taking back over Mariupol that Russia had taken over the last, what was it, last May when Russia had taken over? Now, I, am, I saw a video, and I don't know if it's true or not, of Russia had rebuilt, rebuilt Mariupol. And it's kind of absurd to me if that video is real. It's very absurd to me if that video is real that Russia spent that much time rebuilding that city, um, wasting a bunch of time and effort when it could have been devoted towards the war. I, I mean, I get why they would do it, but I just, I, I, who the hell knows, man. Anyway, hopefully Ukraine is able to retake that city and then they get back a bunch of rebuilt buildings courtesy of Russia. All right, I'm zooming out a little bit here and we're going to head over to Bakhmut and take a look at what is going on outside of Bakhmut. So again, over the last couple of days, not a lot of movement going on in Bakhmut. We are getting reports of Russians that are pushing back and fleeing. I think Rob talked about it in the last video. He, he noted that Russia is more than likely going to want to secure this highway. Um, that's running north and south or kind of like, you know, northwest to southeast, if you will. So this highway right here is what Russia is going to want to protect. And right now, this is the current advancements. If we scroll back a little bit in time, you can see that Ukraine has made some minor gains over the last couple of days. You can see them pushing in and out kind of right along over here in Klashivka. However, nothing real significant. There is reports of Russians fleeing the area and some of them getting captured, but not too much going on over in Bakhmut. Now, here is a video that I found of Bakhmut um, and let you kind of see the actual destruction that's going on inside the city. It's important to see what Ukraine's actually fighting for. Um, it just absolutely blew my freaking mind when I saw this. On, I mean, I know the city's been destroyed. I've seen satellite imagery and different fighting, but this is a UAV, and I think it does a very good job um, of showing you just how trash this city is. As you're watching this video, you can see just the absolute destruction in every single one of these freaking buildings and the amount of infrastructure that's going to need to be rebuilt inside of this city. I just, it's freaking sad, man. The amount of destruction, I mean, I don't even think that I can fathom, you know, even when you're there, I have walked through some places in my day that, we as Americans had wrecked in, in, in our fight against ISIS, just to get rid of ISIS. And it 
walking through that type of terrain and seeing that type of, it, it, it's just, it's an unreal feeling. And I, I, the stuff that I, I think that the Ukrainians are going to see when they actually do liberate that area and the amount of cleanup that takes place, it's just, it hurts my heart to think about it. All right, let's scroll up to the north a little bit here, and we're going to go take a look at uh, this Russian advancement that ended up going. So <clears throat> this is the area um, that we had talked about where Russia had amassed probably around 100,000 troops. All right, so Russia had claimed, or not Russia, they had amassed right around 100,000 troops is what was assessed uh, through Ukraine. And Russia did some pushes, and they made some advances, but it actually looks like Ukraine has pushed them back a little bit um, since their advance. So we're going to go up right over in this area we're going to we're going to watch what happens so i'm going to back it up a couple days this is what's interesting so here's july 23rd where russia was at here's the 24th they're pushing a little bit 25th they make some good terrain now watch what happens when we scroll over to the 26th ah russia gets pushed back and they get pushed back a little bit more so that hundred thousand troops that russia has committed isn't really doing them any good right now they are making some terrain up there but they're not taking and holding all right so ukraine is pushing back hard and they're in they're in a struggle back and forth over this area and like i said i think their overall goal for these troops ultimately is going to end up being kupians so the reason they're pushing over here in my opinion is to move forward to this road right over by uh barova and take some of these land or some of these bridges across this river that we see right here. And if they're able to do that, then they're able to kind of isolate this whole area from the Ukrainians and then probably start pushing north. And as they push north, then they're going to start pushing south and attempt to go retake Kupiansk. I think once they do that, what their objective would be is to move on Kharkiv. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that, though, but I believe that's what their objective would be. So I found a video that actually came out of France. So some French reporters went into uh, Kupiansk. And I think it's important to understand just how close Russia is from Kupiansk, from where they currently sit. They're about 10 kilometers away. And these people can actually see artillery on a daily basis. Um, I guess it's best for you to kind of see how close Russia actually is to that city. So we're going to play that video for you. Looking east from Kupiansk, one can see as well as hear the artillery battles. Over there is the occupied Luhansk region, 15 kilometers away. To the front line, it's 8 kilometers. Their artillery is pounding our villages, while the actual on-the-ground fighting, contact, I mean, is happening up there. We have the Oskol River here. The invaders probably want to get back to that river to make it the front line. In the early days of Ukraine's counteroffensive in Kharkiv region in September 22, Ukrainian soldiers stood triumphantly in front of this city hall building. They'd liberated Kupiansk. But since then, the town has been anything but peaceful. Kupiansk has been shelled regularly for months, lately every day, leaving some residents very afraid. I went up to one of our soldiers and asked, what will happen to us? And he said, you'll be a second Bakhmut. That's it. The city authorities have relocated to this basement. They say they constantly have to fight alarmist Russian disinformation. They spread fake news intended to sow panic among the population. Here's a typical example. It says the city administration is evacuating, that we're off. Of course, when people read that, they think things must be really bad. Yes, it's tough. 
Yes, there's a build-up of Russian soldiers and equipment, but we will deal with this, and little by little, we'll reconquer all the occupied towns. In this spirit of defiance, municipal workers are sprucing up the main square. I don't know if that was outgoing or incoming, I can't tell. Of course we're worried, who wouldn't be? But we still have to work. So far, Russian forces have never managed to retake a town they lost to a Ukrainian counteroffensive. But with Kupiansk, they keep trying. I think that video is actually really special for us that are sitting outside of that war zone to be able to sit back and watch and see what these people are living with on a daily basis. Not only do they have Russian forces 10 kilometers away from their city, all right, but they're able to actually watch the artillery getting traded back and forth on a daily basis and hear the fighting taking place inside that city. And in addition to that, those people are so freaking resilient that they're taking care of their city. They're out there day in and day out, sweeping the freaking street, cleaning things up, trying to go as business as usual with this war raging about 10 kilometers from the front. Now, Russia is, make no mistake about it, they have their eye on Kupiansk and the future is going to determine whether or not they're able to take it. Right now, Ukraine's doing a pretty decent job of holding and pushing them back. As I just showed you on the map, Russia takes terrain, Ukraine pushes them back, they take a little bit more, they get pushed back. I don't know with the latest advancements that the Ukrainian military has been able to make down in the south and over in Bakhmut, if those troops are going to stay committed to that fight. I think if Bakhmut starts to fall, right, and, I, and I'm not talking about the areas to the north and south, I'm talking the city itself, we're likely to see those troops from Russia redirected down into Bakhmut. Very good possibility that we end up seeing that happen. And I think maybe uh, the Russian generals are kind of playing it safe because they know if they commit that amount of troops into that fight up towards Kupiansk, if they commit those troops and they get battle committed, they can very well lose terrain down the south. So I think maybe they're also holding off on their offensive a little bit and trying to soften and play with Ukraine to see if, if they can start drawing some more forces out of that fight because Ukraine's not going to want to lose Kupiansk. But at the same time, they're going to want to take Bakhmut. And so I think what we're seeing is kind of like a balance in between the two going back and forth. Now, if they do go and they start, if, if Ukraine is successful and starts encircling Bakhmut, we're likely to see a lot of those troops peeled off from the north by Russia and be like have some of that pressure from the north pushing uh, south onto those Ukrainian troops' attention, attempting to take Bakhmut. If they're not very successful in Bakhmut, it is likely to see those Russian troops being directed back over and into Kupiansk. So very interesting stuff that's actually taking place on the front line right now. The media has told us that Ukraine is advancing. I guess technically we are the media as well. Um, they are advancing, but I want to be honest with you guys about how much terrain they've actually taken. They've only taken a couple of kilometers around those cities. All right. And some of those cities are not yet reported um, to have fully fallen to Ukraine. There is geolocating uh, data that's available for some of the pictures and videos from the Ukrainian soldiers. They're showing them kind of south of those cities. All right. But whether or not they've taken them, we'll figure that out here in the next couple of days. I know a lot of you guys are heavily invested. I mean, heavily invested in that stupid United States soldier that decided to cross the line in North Korea. Very heavily invested. However, uh, the United States isn't, which makes me smile deep, deep down inside. That soldier over in North Korea looks like there's a little bit of talks going on, but the U.S. government isn't going to really be given anything to get his ass back. So... 
Good, good on you, man. Stay there. I don't really care about you. Um, going on around the world, I think. Also, uh, you know, I heard you guys in the comments talking about, you know, if the U.S. was to enter in a peace deal with Russia, what that would mean for or U.S. negotiated peace deal with Russia towards the end towards the end of this war. If we were to go on that path that I was just talking about, what that would mean for international implications um, as far as China and Taiwan goes. You're absolutely right. I think. China would, if we do do that, I, I do think China would move and overtake Taiwan. Um, however, I think Americans are very short-sighted when it comes to the amount of support that we're willing to provide and the amount of uh, royalty that we're willing to pour in. And I, I don't think Americans, after ending a 20-year war in Afghanistan, um, in this war on terror that's still technically going on, that we have the stomach to go into another conflict over in Ukraine. I just, I don't see it happening. So I do see the next president that comes in place um, attempting to start negotiating that down and, and using that, all of them, to start using those as talking points that, hey, I'm running for president, I can end the war. I'm not condoning it. I don't think it's right. I'm just telling you that that's what U.S. politicians like to do. I'm not a big fan of politicians. I hate politicians in general. However, I think that's what they're going to do. So there is your news on Ukraine for the day. Um, I'm, I hope you guys enjoyed that update. I'm going to be, like I said, I'll be doing a lot more in-depth mapping as more stuff starts to unfold. But right now, I don't see it going forward. What I do see going forward is going to take several weeks into place. Hopefully, they're able to break through some of those Russian lines in the next couple of weeks and start marching down towards Mariupol and just cutting off that land bridge. If they do cut off that land bridge, then I want to see that Kerch Bridge getting freaking schwacked and attacked and knocked completely out. That way Crimea is cut off and then they're able to start rolling up and trapping those forces down in Crimea. But that's going to be a long, hard fight within itself. you got to remember that Russian troops have been in Crimea, not just for the last two years, but for damn near 10 years now. What are we, 2023? Ah, almost a decade. So they've been there almost a decade now. So keep that in mind. All right. The Crimea is not going to be an easy, um, easy fought terrain. It's, it's going to be hard fought terrain for Ukraine to, to take back. All right. Until next time, thanks for stopping by and enjoying the show. I am Matt. Take care, peace, love, happiness, and God bless. I'm out.